We were children of the Silicon Revolution, an X-generation conscripted to fight the console and home computer wars. A product of an analog 70s childhood, we came of digital age in the 80s, believing we could affect the world eight bits at a time. Armed with joysticks, full-stroke keyboards, jolt cola, and MTV haircuts, we proceeded into the vertical blank. There, we stayed up late at night, devising incantations from D&D rulebooks and beginners all-purpose symbolic instruction code. Video games were the match, and programming was the fuse, as the infinite possibilities of the digital world exploded into the internet age to come. We are Generation Atari. I know this is a <clears throat> this episode of our podcast. People can tune out now if they don't care, but we have to do it. So, um, well, so do you want to talk about a little bit of the? Um, well, let's talk about this first. I say eventually we're going to get to some of the videos and stuff we've been doing, though, and some of the contents. So we can talk about it a little bit, but um, on the site. But let's uh, let's let's talk about Mars first. Well, maybe we won't. Sure. No, let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about that. So last week, uh, Jeff and I's big sister passed away, and and not of COVID, of just complications from a life well lived. I think I would call it. Um, she was only fifty nine. Yeah, <clears throat> and um, you know we were. It's it's, it's hard to, to to think about doing continuing not continuing but just doing a podcast about just atari games and stuff after that happened um and it feels like we need to put a little pin in it and say you know our sister mars we'll call her her name was mari but everyone called her mars we even called her mars m-a-r-z not m-a-r-s um and you know she was our our big sister Growing, our bigger big sister growing up and she had she had a lot of influence on our uh atari even though she wasn't really an atari fan or anything herself or even she was too old for that um but she had a lot of influence and uh to us she was an enigma growing up right jeff kind of an enigma kind of a mystery yeah i think that she was very very protective of her little brothers and but she uh when we were only five or six she was 15 and 15 and yeah, 14 or 15 going she started becoming a first a david first a first a david bowie style um i guess you could call it proto-punk and then yeah. she became a full-on sort of early, early punk rocker, one of the only ones in the town. Um, yeah, I know, and I know this now because I people have told me this, but like, if anyone anyone knows who the Descendants are, the Descendants are one of the first bands, first punk bands from Los Angeles. They, along with like Black Flag and a couple other people, were first. Um, but um, but I just found some photos. She she was a photographer, 
at 16. Um, and she took a whole bunch of photos, some of the first photos of the descendants 1976. Ever. This is before. Yeah, no, no, this is, no, this is 78. Oh, 78. I'm sorry. You're right. You're right. Yeah, 78. This is 78. This is 78 before her birthday. So in 78, some of the first photographs that they ever had before they actually even really became a band, but they had a name and a logo. Um, Could they play instruments yet? I'm sure they did. I think only only one of one of the people in the photos actually ended up becoming, you know, part of the band. But but she was a photographer, and she took hundreds and hundreds of photos for those for uh, certain bands around the time up into the early '80s. But the thing is, she was like 15 or 16, 17. She was gone from our house a lot of the time. She was out, you know, on the town, out, you know, getting going out all all time of night and this kind of made our household a little bit of uh, a bit of a war zone between our parents and, and her, and her. Um, because she wanted to go do this thing she didn't fit in around town but she fit in with these new people which is fine they're all they're cool people for the most part for most of the time but um but it meant that you know our home life became somewhat disrupted and i think we've written some stories about that stuff and things like that but i think it it it, it you know um our and then our other sister kind of got into that as well that became their thing um you know their thing and in the, in the, going down to hollywood and doing stuff like that not just hollywood there were other places too but that's what kind of people say and in some ways i think it led into us having to find our thing um right. to kind of kind of fill the void and compensate and that thing uh, ultimately became atari for better or for worse, that's what well, it is. When we were, when we were uh, eleven, and then later it would become sort of alternative and punk rock too. So you know, uh, when, when we got to be older, so we kind of followed in their footsteps as well. A little bit, right? I mean, <laughs> it was not exactly the same. Around this town, it was the what, but it was actually at the time it was the proven path to take it was, to, to grow up on the wrong side of the tracks in this town. Yeah. yeah. It was, you know, proven path to take was to do exactly what we did and, and we did it. Um, but, um, but as far as Mars went with supported our love of Atari in multiple ways. And I think the first way was um, we would walk up to uh, Safeway with her together or we would drive in her car. Um, and, and she actually, I remember there were times when we had no money at all. And I, I don't understand why we were up at the Safeway, but I remember her searching her leather punk jacket for quarters so we could go play Asteroids. <laughs> I'm not I sure she she drove something to do. Time. Could you, I don't think she drove it at that time yet, right? She didn't. I swear that was in her Pontiac Firebird or whatever she had. That Pontiac, um, not Fire, the Pontiac car that she had, the purple one. She had a, um, a Ford a Maverick. Oh, okay. Not not a Mustang and not a Pinto. It was a Maverick. Oh, that's cool. It was actually kind of cool. It wasn't great, but it was kind of cool. But if she had a Ford yes, Maverick. Not like Carol's uh, Buick Skylark. Which Carol is, had a Buick Skylark that was about as was big about as a block. Four, it was about 20 feet, 30 feet long. I can't remember. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, but but the I think in our Christmas episode, we talked about Mars a little bit. Um, she was the one who was instrumental in getting us our Atari 2600 in 1981. So she had obviously played games with us. She understood its importance, I think, <clears throat> from how important her punk rock stuff was to her. I think she understood the importance of it, to, this thing to us. Even though she didn't really get it yet, 
she got that it was our thing. I think she and also I think that was that in that house with dad and mom doing their own thing and being a little older parents that you you had to have something else hopefully that they wouldn't understand or they just so that you could get away from that sort of uh, the sort of I don't know just very very traditional thinking they had you know about things yeah yeah good point and so, so, so getting us Breakout, your favorite game ever for the Atari Twenty. Yeah, she bought us Breakout for Christmas that year, nineteen eighty one, and um, she was very excited about it. And and she she had she was instrumental in helping us get that. I know she she also drove us to um, like the warehouse to get games and stuff for the Castle Park as well. Castle Park um, too. Castle Park, lots of times. And I know we sold some of our 2600 games to her friend Dawn, right? We sold some. Um, I think it was Danny Nolte's aunt, to be honest with you. Well, was it Danny Nolte's aunt? Too? It, was, it was a lot of cartridges to finance the Vectrex, correct? That was to finance our, our Vectrex. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think when we wanted, after we bought our 520 ST, we wanted to upgrade it. And um, we went. Down, I can't remember exactly why we did this because we have the money, but we went down to Federated Group and we wanted to buy a 1040 ST. And I think they made it really attractive to buy. Um, you could get a 1040 ST on like 12 months credit, but like zero percent financing or something. Like yeah, something I don't know like what that. they were. I don't. And and maybe they were. Maybe they were so adamant about it that that's why we bought it even that way even though we didn't need to because because federal group you know atari bought federal group in what like 87 or 88 something something like that maybe 88 and they wanted to have a retail outlet for their computers but if you ever went to a federated group it was you know you it wasn't like going to it to like what you think a retail establishment that was all atari stuff you think you'd walk in and be like 7800 games all over the place and 2600 and sts lined up and it wasn't like that at all it was very much like the people who ran the stereo store still ran it like their own stereo store and only begrudgingly acknowledged that atari had bought them and had right. that stuff there like like the salespeople never learned about any of the equipment or anything there um, was some i mean they had a decent amount of stuff but it wasn't what you'd expect i do remember them yep. having a lot of atari games for other systems like the atari um what was the name of the the um atari atari a lot of atari i remember i remember the the look because i know that they thought okay we could sell more of these to call under 64 ibm and apple people so they had those and they had they didn't have a lot of software for the atari 800 computers which always made me kind of like why are you here Right, but they did have a few ST titles, the blue and gray box and blue and white box Atari ST ones, and we got a few with the machine. But yeah, they did not have a lot. And then as soon as they put in, and, and look, but but so so little in fact that it seemed weird. Like we would still had to drive. We're like, oh, it could be Atari specific store, but we still had to drive out like an hour to Computer Games Plus to actually get imported games for the ST. Yeah, and you still couldn't get anything there. Their problem um, it was really depressing. They were they were very very stock poor. Yeah, very very. Stock and I think they still needed to move hardware. Like that was their always like 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 trying to trying to bait and switch people into buying better and better hard hardware. Um, but Federer Groups anyway. My point is is we went there because the Federer Group was the only place we were like, hey, let's go to the local Federer Group and get an, a ten forty ST because they had them in stock, and had a, and we um, 
and we bought one, but we bought one on credit and it was on Mari's credit. So I think for the next like 12 months or something, we gave her, or maybe it was two years. I don't know what it was. Whatever it was, we give her like like 60 bucks a month and and she would, she would pay it off for us. It's just helpful Um, to get her credit started. I think, which was, I think that, that might've been another thing too, was to help get her credit started. So we were helping her out as well, but that was into the early nineties. And then, and then, and then we got our, you know, in like 91 or 92, I think in 92, birthday 92, we got rid of, and not, we didn't get rid, we didn't of, get the rid of, we just put the ST, we just put the ST away. I actually, and, put, we had to give the ST to dad and, and he played with it a little bit. Um, played, yeah. Don't know how to use it. And then we got something else, Steve, what did we get? We got, we got a 3060X 40, 40 megabyte hard drive and four megs of RAM. That's what I remember. And tried it, and, um, tried it in video, tried it in VGA video card. Tried it one SVGA. megabyte. Yeah, with SVGA an SVGA card. driver. Yes. And, um, excuse me, and then about a year later, I think we bought Mars, her Amber Screen 286. Yeah, she loved you it. You remember though. that? And I went through all of the discs and discs of CDs, because we had per- by that time we had purchased a CD-ROM for the thing, and I found all the games that work in Hercules, which was the which was the black and white um and uh-huh. i gave them all to her and she loved it because you could play lots of games like there were commander keen games that would work there were lots of them and she loved having the little thing that would play her play the games and then she got a game boy so she had all oh, it was cool gaming. oh that's awesome i say that what was cool about that finally when she got when we got her that computer was finally there was another person in our house that that like like computers and and then after that mars kind of came she became like a computer gamer yeah she had a you know, well, she came she had games for the rest of her life yeah, and and it was interesting about that because because the, you know I mean I'm not saying there weren't female gamers or anything, but like it certainly wasn't like um, it wasn't like a, a, a regular thing when you ask people. Um, but um, but she she played mostly. She loved Sierra Adventures. She loved the um, adventure games from um, LucasArts as well. Things like Freddy Farkas, um, Frontier Pharmacist. I remember oh, her like she saying loved she all loved that, that stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was at the house. We also got her. I, we just found so we went and found a bunch of the software at her house, um, and we found a legit like like uh, like copy of Activision and my um, Infocom. Infocom, the lost lost treasures of Infocom from Activision, which has a set of um, five and a quarter floppies and a set of three and a half inch floppies with all the games on them, which is, which is pretty amazing. And then all the, like all the booklet stuff, the thing weighs like 30 pounds. Yeah. <laughs> so she had a game boy. And then, uh, at some point, at some point she got a, um, PlayStation two, right? Someone's got, they lost their Infocom goes for about a hundred bucks on right now on, um, Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's good. Well, I the, but here's the okay. The good version actually goes for about two hundred. So anyway, which is the good version? The good has all the discs for both. The one that we have, Lena, she has. Oh, the other ones don't have all the stuff. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing that last year's income. I wish we had a picture of all the stuff that we because we were just at her house. Well, um, maybe trying we get to, a couple for the put up on the website or something. Like yeah, that. trying to trying to pull out like all the stuff that could be saved because um, some of the stuff is in pretty pretty bad condition. Yeah, she smoked um, a lot. And so what happened was a lot of, I don't think um, smokers, you know, they, um, it's not their fault, but a lot of times some of their stuff smells like smoke 
and a lot of times it gets a little bit ruined and and so you know and that's just kind of some of her stuff sounds like some doesn't i'd say like after that i mean uh, we would we would actually buy each other computer games or video games for christmas every year i think up up until just a few years ago because that's when you stop being able to buy anything um but but she kind of became our computer buddy, which we never yeah. we never had. Like our parent, uh, the rest of our family really never got into it. But but Mars was really the one where we could go talk about games with, and um, and I know that um, there is uh, there. I know that when our kids started going to our parents' house, they would play they would play computer games with her in her room all the time, like hours and hours, and they love it. That's the thing that they they remember the most or the best about um, about going over there was. Uh, was playing games with her because um, she she loved them. So one one game that um, I think you know she worked at Christian bookstores uh, most of her life, and there's a game called The Neverhood, which I think was a Christian game. But 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 one my daughter just loves The Neverhood, and it's one of those games that you can't find anywhere or find to play because obviously it was it wasn't like a normal release or it was it may maybe it was but it's it's it has never been um it it looks it's like a claymation um style graphics came out in about i don't know 95 or 96 yeah mario also loved the sim sim style games honestly like lots of sims um lots of sin like ant sim earths and everything and then she also loved i mean i mean i think um those the Sierra and the LucasArts games became really big and drew in a lot of people in the nineties. And those were ones that really drew her in. At least you mentioned that those games wasn't really into the action games really. She loved Tetris, right? Like so right. Um, but um but yeah, but her but she played those games to a fault, like pages and pages of notes and everything. So it wasn't just oh like God. casual gaming. She was big notes into those. for every yeah. single game. Yeah. Um she did have the so- I mean, Sims, all those Sim, like SimCity 2000, but she also had The Sims and all of The Sims add-ons and things like that, which was very interesting. And then when game, it was really sad because she was really into those games and then they kind of stopped making them. Yeah. And and what she ended up, and she, was a more, she wasn't really a Steam buyer. She was like a retail buyer, right? Right. So she was she she was that 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 small percentage that like she would go to the store and still pick up a game. But what happened is, they all became like hidden object games and like, like, like that sort of bullshit. And that's all but they she made could the, actually buy. So, but they made the stories and the mystery so compelling to her that she would buy them and play them though. So at least that's they were enough for her to play, but right. There wasn't any extension of game dump for her. All games became hidden object and story driven yeah. games. It wasn't Freddie Farkas. It was, it was hidden, hidden, you know, bottles in a, in a picture. I mean, it was just dumb dumb stuff right the game engine was all the same and um and you know maybe the stories were more important but but i mean she she would have totally played in some of the some of the indie games that exist now she probably really loved but she would never never get get onto steam and stuff was not really a a possibility yeah when our mom passed away at the end of 2017 um, Mari had been helping take care of her and she had to move out because we the, everything had to be sold and, and cleaned up and she bought a new computer. Um, it was the demon and it's still and it's where she could play brand new games and if she had had Steam on there she would have been able to play get new games but what happened was net, we, 
and she never ever got around. She just got a little bit sicker and sicker and never got around. She only had, what was it? Um, a, a, a Google, um, a, a Chromebook. Chromebook. A Chromebook. And so she would play games on the Chromebook and, and, uh, and some of the, we bought her lots and lots of gift cards for all kinds of different stuff. So she could buy games or whatever, but mostly the only gift cards that were used were the, um, the ones that were for the store, the Chrome store. So she bought games in the Chrome store. She could play on that and on her phone. But that's about all she did for the last three years of gaming. It was must have got very boring. Yeah, she's kind of stuck, you know. I mean, that's what happens. I mean, they, they, maybe, and they, they, you know, sadly, the world that became more and more digital was really not useful to her. I mean, she would have probably rather been able to go to the store and pick out a game and yeah. just go play it, um, which is which just kind of sucks. It's funny um, because PC games, PC games, you could. She was there for the entire circle of pc games from cr- crappy discs pd discs um that were in a us in a um in a, a stationary store yeah yeah exactly crappy jewel cases in a stationary store right i mean I know. Was, and everything uh, in between no no i agree and everything yeah, yeah, in between yeah. right like that's all you could get right i mean you you go to the the fries and all they have are like five different jewel cases of of you know uh, PD, you know, shareware games. Ten thousand um, games. It really gets like it's like each one's levels of one game, or some or a couple different games, right? Like they're those. Yeah. Sort of sad. Yeah. No. No. You're right, Jeff. That's really funny when you say that. It's like it's like her gaming life was the life of the PC was the of the of the PC platform of the real platform as a physical platform. Not right? the not the early PCs, not the XT, but when the as, no, no, no. as the yeah. as as everything matured in the nineties. Yeah, it was the it was the e, well it was the EGA VGA um, not CGA but really VGA yeah I just say the VGA platform you say that and Hercules you said at the beginning and but, Hercules but, yeah but I mean really the whole cycle of of you know of that platform that physical physical um, uh, floppy disk and physical CDs and it la- what did that platform lasted for about twenty years and then really. Um, you know, as a as a platform, it still exists, obviously, but but not the physical version does not really exist. Right. And um, in some ways, that might even that was probably her vertical blank when it comes to uh, yeah, gaming was was, was yeah, it was her vertical. You know, being being able to stick in the new Sierra game was really important to her. And you know, Sierra going away and then LucasArts going away, making those types of games. You know, that's that was that was tough. That was that was I think that was tough for her. Again, she ended up just playing stupid hunt and search games, you know, with stories, but but they were but they weren't no no puzzles for her to solve or anything. Just yeah, just and she kinda, did kind of kind of lame. She and I worked on three indie games together. Um, oh, that's both, right. Both of them using basically the same engine that I created. It was it was a tile based like game in actual script three that was for first it was pumpkin man and she, and that was basically it was pac-man but it wasn't really pac it was pac-man but it was with 32 different levels you made all these different mazes and what you did was use a lot of there's little adventure and style elements to it um because it wasn't it was just kind of like a like a like a chips challenge or something it was like right? a chips challenge but you but it was pac-man so it's still fast paced yeah. and because um, right. you had to go there were keys you had to open doors and there transport three different types of transporters so you had different blue, red, and purple transporters that would take you to different sections of the maze to get in places. And then we, we took that engine and then we made, we, we did a license to somebody to make a game called, um, uh, what was it? Uh, a le- uh, Mission Leprechaun. Mission, 
right. sold that to a to a place for like five hundred bucks. So we she got like a couple hundred dollars, and I got a I got a couple to like change that for the could. And it was like a it was like a, a you have to save the leprechaun on every level, and then the same engine was used for her not to make Jack's Beach Blitz, which is a more open world but single screen game where you weren't stuck on the grid so much as you could move around and shoot stuff and stuff like that, but very similar. I mean, they all needed me to clean them up a lot more, but she did some decent graphics for them that really would translate well to the ST or- The great little pixel graphics. She's yeah. good at that. You know, if there was, if there had been a way we could have, we could have continued doing that, she could have actually got, she could have actually been employed. I mean, the, she could, she did pick, we just, those are pixel graphics before people really were doing pixel, pixel graphic graphics, games. Yeah. You know, we, when, when, when you were making those little indie games with, pixel graphics in the in the mid 2000s that was when people were kind of were kind of making fun of it like not making fun of it, but it wasn't like a thing now it's a thing now people do it like they sell games on steam and you know on the on a playstation 4 store that looked like a five store that looked like pixel graphics but back then nobody did it everybody yeah, was still not nobody was doing most it. people were still attempting to make everything look realistic. But I do have all those graphics. Everything was done on tile sheets. So I have oh, the tiles. Oh, let tile sheets up. That's and I cool. can, I want to, I'm going to translate them to, um, to graphics that we could use on both the, I can give you the PNGs. And if you want to, you can try to make engines with them on the 7800. And I want to try and make engines with them on the ST because I can, they're mostly, most of them could be translated down to 16 color graphics. I'd rather work on the ST ones with you than try to get them on the 7800. I mean, I could, I could redo them on the 1700. I think that, and that's okay. Using, Maybe we could do that. Even just using the graphics that are for other things. Like I'd like to make that pumpkin man again, just because I'd I like to, I mean, that would mean we could let her graphics live. And yeah. I want to let her graphics live. Cool. Uh, you know what? That's actually a really good, good idea. Let's take, Maybe we take Pumpkin Man and we try to do it, or we take we take that and try and to. Pumpkin Man has to have the trans has to have at least the transporters and the keys and doors. Um, I, it needs to be slowed down a little bit though. Pumpkin Man was way too like it was so many. You could have like I had lots of power ups, so you could have a lot of enemies on the screen, like a lot of guys. Because the, the the purpose of the engine was to show how many moving objects you could have on the screen, and then I remember, decided to make it into a game. It. So it was like it's like, and it was using this. I was using anyway. So it was. It, it, so I, I the game needed to be I, refined I think that'd a little be kind bit. Kind of fun. It'd be fun to take those graphics, try to translate them to uh, uh, for twelve color seventy hundred graphics, which which you could probably do. I could oh, do yeah. that. and then and then um, just just copying pixel by pixel in Atari Dev Studio. I could do it. I've yeah. been doing some other stuff like that. And then um, and try to make a ST and 700 version of those games. I mean, it doesn't have to be the game. It could just be. It doesn't have to be one of those games. It no, could be it's a, just a combination of all of them. Or just, it's just using using them. the um, the graphics that are there for something like. Yeah, um, I think that would be a really nice. I would idea. do want to oh, make a. Good. I do want to make a Pac-Man stuff. So I'm making various game engines right now on the ST just for for fun because I want to start making games in in Stoss with all the extensions and with the STE stuff like I started last year. Because it's the best, quickest way to go to make neat, optimized games that play really well on the SC. You can. like, And so I'm starting off with making a little shooting game, and it's based on Ceiling Zero, like we talked about. Oh, that's Ceiling cool. Zero yeah, was both a game called Blast on the Atari 800 from Analog, and it's a game called Ceiling Zero um, for the Apple II. We'll call it something else. I'm working on that because Ari Feldman has some great graphics that um, are 16 colors to use in a sprite lib. That that I can that are in the PC one format that are already in the Dega format, and I want to do that too. But then I want to make the tribute to Mari with the games that she made, and I have a Mark. Uh, I love that. 
I, I love, Mark, I love, love I think Mark to... Manali's still alive, so I can't say Mark Manali tribute, but Mark who did the the grab games with me on with um in this in the Retro Blaster series. So it only was one game, but but I want to make a who did the graphics for for Bratney Escape? Uh, that was one of John John's friends, John. Okay. Um, so Bratney Escape that was using the same engine, right? Was taking Just... the taking the Pumpkin Man engine to its very limit. So that was a that was based on Britney Spears. And now that I watched the Britney Spears thing, I'm really sad that the guys paid me to make this. But it was like we took it and you would go around. Well, through... we we though did you insisted that we change the name though. Right? Yeah, we insisted. Remember when you were Bratney. making it? We insisted we that like we Britney. didn't use that. It did have um the on every level you had didn't have to pick up all the stuff, but you had to do something on every level. So there was a level where you had to get a record contract for her husband and what was that anyway and, <laughs> Kevin and, I, and when you picked up the record i actually wrapped a few lines of of my own rap song and then put it into the into the thing so you'd pick it up and it would play it i would love to be able to get that game somehow into the atari st or something with all that stuff because you know anyway that's funny you know i think that's a that's actually a nice tribute jeff would be able to to get some of her graphics that she made yeah yeah that's, you know what happened back in like 2000 I think 2005 or six, I was, I was, um, I wanted, I was trying to make a, uh, was working on this concept for a game that was sort of like, had a, had a grid of playing cards and I wanted you to be able to make poker hands. Um, and it was called like five card phantom, I called it. And I could not figure out how to turn a new game because because it's it, you know it's it it actually turns out to be fairly easy to make a poker hand. But uh, if you have a six by six grid or six by seven grid of, of playing cards, and you want to and you want to connect like click on five of them that are somehow connected together, fairly easy to make a poker hand that scores. It's just just the, just from the law of averages, it's it's it, the game you know maybe too easy to play, and I couldn't figure out how to make it harder. But at the time. I'd asked dad, I said, Hey dad, I'm going to make this game called five card phantom. Could you draw me some cowboys? Oh, that's and right. So he drew me like 10, um, cowboys based on the art style that he had learned in like the forties. Right. You know, from his cartoonist kind of style from, from, I guess, Syracuse or wherever he went. I think that's where he got his, his fine art degree. And I still have those. And I, they, they weren't, they were too goofy looking kind of for, Get the theme of the game. I wanted something a bit more hardcore at the time, you know, which really kind of stupid, but um, I have those two and they can't really be used, you know, uh, I mean, they could be scanned in and used on the 700. They probably, I mean, sorry. On no, the, you on could the ST. scan them in. They probably look I really mean, cool on the ST, by the way. You could scan them in on either one and you and use pixel art colors over them to, to would probably make, make them look really cool. So I've got yeah. those cowboys too that I want to use something at some point um but but that's you know that's different than trying to uh get a salute to mars you know who's still you know we're 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 still really very early into her i can't i mean she's only 59 years old it's it's really kind of hard to think that she's gone every every time i i I think oh you know like we we had a we had a little party over at our house i call it a party Uh, one of the kids um did the costumes for the uh, for the production of the high school and um, so uh, the grandma came over because she's vaccinated now too. And we had a bunch of snacks and it felt like an actual party. And I kept 
kept in the back of my mind, kept thinking, oh, you know what? Gonna come this is something really cool that Marvin come over. Yeah, and I, and I kept having to like say, no, 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 that that can't happen anymore. It was, I think, um, for every single you know kid's birthday we had up until before COVID, we and every Christmas and everything, there always was the anticipation for when Auntie Mari was going to arrive. I know. And um, okay. again, she's only fifty nine. Yeah, my advice is don't smoke. You know, even though even you know, don't don't smoke, especially if you have your family has a history of COPD and high blood pressure and cancer. Um, pro, and yeah, I mean that's a bad that's a bad combo. And also, you know what? I mean, I'll say this: you you can't be you've got to you got to go out and you've got to find got to find your thing you can't wait around and hope that someone's going to discover you or discover you something did for you find you gotta just thing, go do it if you did find your thing like we did a few times she did also and your thing goes away you, you gotta, gotta find another thing else you gotta find yeah. another thing you can't get let it get so, you down hey jeff uh tony longworth sent us a story about an 8-bit computer game that kind of goes with today's episode uh, did. you want to play that a, yeah he did it's a really good story let's play that let's play that right now hi this is tony once again composer and fan of into the vertical blank and all-round atari geek and uh, i just wanted to share a little story i heard the sad news about jeff and steve's sister passing away and you know really thinking about you guys and i hope you're doing all right but it kind of sparked a memory of back in the 80s when i encountered really death for the first time i was in high school and my nan who i was really close to passed away and it was devastating she'd been ill for a while and you know me being young and 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 I wasn't experienced with any anything like this and I really thought she might be okay and she wasn't and she passed away and it was horrible you know and it, it was the first time I had to deal with something like that but you know I had a, a supportive family good friends you know it all helped really and one of the other things that helped and this is what sprung to mind when I saw that sad news from Jeff and, and from Steve was Atari helped a lot now it's not the obvious playing video games and, and kind of getting lost you know and trying to forget the sadness I mean there was that but there was one thing I actually fixated on and it wasn't actually a game it was an ad advertisement for a game and I can't even remember if it was in a UK magazine. It might have been in page six. Or I, I know I had several copies of Analog and Antic as well imported, probably bought from sort of a local video game store. So it might have been in there, but it was a full-page ad for a game called Ghost Encounters. Now, I'm actually looking at that full-page ad. It's on Atari Mania. I'm looking at it now. It brings back such mixed emotions, the sadness of, of losing my nan, it, and, and, and also the excitement of 
imagining what this game might be and you know maybe this will get me through this period of mourning and and it, it it's so weird i mean the full page ad go on atari mania now and go and check it out ghost encounters it was full page red background ghost encounters big letters at the top jv software incorporated and the address at the bottom santa clara california you know it was always exciting it was an american game then at the top under the ghost encounters a 16k assembly language real-time adventure game for atari 400 800 computer now that was exciting a real-time adventure game i mean what was that i didn't know i was curious and then under that the little new flash to one side there's a drawing full color drawing of a ghost coming through the door holding a flaming torch keys in the other hand there's an open chest of treasure there's a shovel there's a hole there's weird bat like creatures with spiky wings green spiky wings coming through the door this looked amazing now there was no screenshots at all on this and there was a big write-up i could read the write-up but i'm not going to i'll let you go and read it but you know it kind of mentioned this was actually the second in a series of real-time games the first one being action quest now i didn't fixate on action quest because i didn't see the advert for action quest in any of the magazines i had it was ghost encounters that i was fixating on because i had this full page advert and it spoke about how amazing this game was 30 rooms you've got to search for a valuable treasure um, you're a ghost who can sort of transform your shape and stuff like that and, and literally i just wanted this game there was no screenshots just this amazing colored piece of art at the top and this write-up and in my head the game was amazing and i needed to play the game but you know this this was the early 80s and there was no internet i didn't have a load of video game stores around me i had a handful and they didn't have software for every single machine you know in there they only had limited limited supplies there was you know you got to bear in mind as well that the commodore 64 and the spectrum were kind of like taking over probably around about this time so the atari software here in the uk the games they were kind of limited we had mail order we could mail order you know these games in from different places one of the things i did actually do we had rental sort of mail order uh, for, for video games and i can't even remember what it was called but i'd signed up for one and it was a bit like if you remember love film probably amazon did a similar thing when they shipped dvds out to you rental dvds you basically sent them a list of what you really wanted uh, these are the ones that i really want and then they'd pick one which was available kind of at random so you didn't know what you were going to get so that that's what happened you know i think every every couple of weeks I'd, I'd get a new game play it and send it back but it'd be random and ghost encounters was actually on my list now this really really sad thing is i never got this game and i never got to play the game i could talk about piracy and how it never cropped up in any of the pirated things that i might have got involved with but let's not talk about that because it's a little bit frowned upon I mean, let's face it, piracy was rife, wasn't it, by them? 
but yeah, for some reason, it just never turned up on any of the the discs, any of the rental games that arrived on my doorstep. It just vanished, and literally until now, I'd forgot about the game. And then I read about the sad news about the Fulton brothers' sister, and this memory came back on how I've fixated on this one-page advert in a magazine back in the eighties as I was experiencing the loss of a, a, a loved family member for the very first time. And initially, when that memory came back, it was such a strong memory, I didn't actually remember the name of the game. So I, I, I really, I've, I've done quite a lot of research today, just Googling the hell out of Atari games, and I don't even know how I found it, but I was thinking, I'm sure, is it, I, I can picture a cabin, a cave, a door. I'm sure there's a ghost. There was a ghost. And somehow I found it. And Atari Mania delivered the goods with that full-page advert, which I have now on my computer screen as I'm recording this and I'm looking at it. And amazing, really. Amazing that I was fixated on that and amazing that I didn't actually get to play the game. I still have not played the game. I need to play the game. And I need to make a video of me playing the game. I have kind of spoiled it a little bit because when I found this advert and I realized it was Ghost Encounters that I was obsessing over and it helped me get through a difficult time, the advert, not the game, I did actually have a quick look on YouTube just to see. And it really wasn't like anything I dreamt it would be like. I mean, I'm sure it's a great game. It kind of looks like sort of an Atari computer version of maybe the VCS adventure, but with kind of vector-drawn walls and, and things like that, which you actually do see drawing on screen as you actually leave one room and enter another. So, I don't know. I think I need to play it and um, just really see what it's like. It's been, what was it, early 80s? What, th th 40 years? How many? I can't even work. I'm not good at maths. Jeez, it was early 80s this was. And I still haven't played it now. So I think maybe I need to do one of my All Life's Lost retro videos playing Ghost Encounters and just seeing what it's like, really. I mean, should I, should I play Action Quest first? It's the first one. No, I'm going to play Ghost Encounters. So watch this space. I'm going to I'm gonna do that. I'll, I'll put it out on YouTube, but... But there we go, it's just thinking back to a sad time in my life and how really Atari sort of got me through it, or the Atari computer did. Or, you know, me imagining what this Atari computer game was going to be like and never actually getting it. That's what kind of got me through it. So listen, I just want to say to Jeff and Steve, I hope you guys are doing okay. Really, really sorry about the the news and just stay strong guys so what do you think of that I, well I, oh i think it's really interesting i mean um uh, first of all wait 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 first of all it was incredibly kind of tony to just think of us and record that story just yeah. to begin with I mean, yeah what, what an amazing friend he is to us so i really appreciate that tony thank you so much 
Tony's um, great. Being uh, a fan of, of Into the Vertical Blank and for providing us with music and just generally coming along the journey with us, is, we really appreciate you. Um, so thank you very much. Tony's got some more stories coming up in a later episodes too. So, oh um, yeah, there's a lot yeah. going on with Tony. Long yeah, we um, we like to tap thing. Tony for some stories because he's got a great British perspective on the Ataris, um, and you know we have an American perspective. We did tap into the British magazines and things, but Tony's got a great perspective. So I really like. Do you have of, you have my my collection of page six magazines? Do you know if you have the one with ghost encounters in it? I don't know if I have that one. I have every page six magazine downloaded and dissected with review all the reviews and everything. So I'm sure I oh, have that cool. one somewhere. Well, um, I remember seeing the ad that he's referring to. I went and looked it up, and I'm like, oh yeah, I remember that. Completely. Ghost encounters ad was in was in both antique and analog also, and so was Action Quest. So um, yeah, I remember them. I never played them either, just like him. Um, so, I don't I don't think they were they were readily available. They were easily available. I think you had to send away. That company them. only made those two games, I think, and um, they were actually pretty good. They they remind me of like Venture, but with more puzzles. So the game venture in the arcade, but it's like it's venture, but um, but definitely more puzzles based and and more things to do. It's actually very interesting. Both Action Quest and Ghost Encounters are great games. Um, Tony just put up a video of him playing it. So oh, that's cool. We'll put a link in the, in the show description to his. Get more. Got to get more people over to his channel too. Tony's channel yeah. has has a lot of great content. How interesting! You know, he was uh, he was uh, you know his first touch with. Uh, someone dying when he was a teenager and putting that together with that game is, is interesting. I mean, that's kind of like, you know, you know, why we, we talk about why these sort of event, life events and these video games are intertwined. And I think it has to do with this, with the vertical blank, which is not a thing. It's just an, it's a concept that like somehow by these, these first sort of uh, uh, associations with uh, interactive media are somehow intertwined with life events in a way that because it because it was some of the first times you could do these things right the first time you you know you <laughs> it's probably the first time you know the ad for the game says a machine language game for the target bit and you're like wow what the hell is that that sounds yeah amazing. exactly you know? tony's and, description of that actually was exactly what i was thinking probably as a kid when i saw that like a new machine language game for the atari computers how and, cool ghost encounters and action quest and it's like that sounds bitching. You know, I was thinking about what he was saying about that. I was thinking that, like, you know, when I think when, you know, our, I'm trying to think who died first. This is kind of a macabre. I can't think, I don't remember if it was our grandpa or aunt and cousin who got in a car accident first, but it was right around the time that we first played the Atari VCS, right about the same time we started right going the same time, exactly. to CCD class. I think it was an aunt and and uh, and our cousin died in a you know car accident, and it was a really big deal. And and I think that you know within our family, especially with mom, and I do remember, you know, associating that event with playing Breakout on the Atari VCS for the first time. I don't I don't know exactly. I think Break because Breakout was the first game where you played. I played alone, and you got into kind of a zone. Where, where, you know, where you're listening to the music and you're bouncing stuff off. And, um, and I somewhat associate those two events together. So I understand where he's coming from about associating those big life events with something 
something interactive and why that why that happens and maybe it's just our our age or our generation that sort of sort of intertwines those two things i don't know but it's real all the um, and it certainly things is were thing. so new and big at the time especially during that age what we were that those events are they, there's like a it puts a a pin on the bulletin board of the investigation if you know what i mean with a piece of string tied to it yeah yeah i mean it's like when we did when it, my thanksgiving story i have a bit that's about um me playing laser blast you know <clears throat> i only remember that because of randy the guy who committed suicide right like i remember those events right because exactly somehow intertwined together as well i don't again i don't i don't know exactly why um it just kind of is that way um not to not to be totally you no, know, I think sad this or macabre. Is, that's this what episode, this but. episode is a little bit about. It's tying these really difficult life events to, um, well, these original ones and then the current one with our sister into sort of these memories that we have. Um, and when Gramps passed away, we did not yet have the, the 2600 ourselves, but we also didn't have access to the 2600 up the street anymore. But we did have access to um, Eric Barth, down the street had his Mattel on television and I think that that I remember us trying to like you know saying hey my grandfather died and and uh, and I remember Eric saying like his grandparents were like you know 60 or something at the time they weren't even close to be being the age where they yeah. would pass away but and then and then also um we had you know when our grandmother passed away which was somewhere in 89 right in 89 yeah 89 um, right, right before Christmas, that was a big Atari ST time for us. You know, that was the big ST. That was the final years of the ST being like a huge concern for us. Um, and I remember during that '89 one was when we had, we finally had a year's worth of um, Atari um, ST action of uh, magazines. ST action was a magazine, oh, yeah. not ST format for some reason. I think we just liked the name ST action. It was so cool to have a magazine just about games, right? It was like, yeah, that no, was awesome. This rocks. And I remember with the, the yak r- <laughs> in there with the yak writing his article in the back. Yeah. It. With, um, with Jeff Minter writing articles in the back, it was just an immersive into like these games that you could forget about everything. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think those memories, happen to be you know there's also and also musical memories that go around with all those that i don't necessarily fit on this podcast really at the moment but yeah it, but you know they're all the things that are happening at those times kind of all coincide and go together in the so, so well that was cool it's a great story tony um now i think we're going to move on to some news yeah all right well anyway let's talk a little bit about your videos because you've been making a ton of videos Oh, before we do that, I just want to say, um, uh, Kay Savitz had Ed Freeze on the Atari, oh, the Antic man, Atari podcast a couple episodes ago. The Ed Freeze episode is absolutely fantastic. Um, Ed talks about his re- restoration of, um, of Atari coin-offs is one of his things. I'd love to somehow talk to him about that because it's pretty amazing. Um, how he was building his own PDP-8, the Space War and PDP-8, and then a PDP-11 to play Rogue. Um, and, um, you know, his, the, the work he did on the Atari, um, eight bit and his, and, you know, his, um, his halo 2600 is such a great interview. 
or interviewee, sorry, such a great interviewee. And he did a really good job on that one. So that was, that was a, a great podcast um, that I, that I really enjoyed that. Also on the retro hour, a couple episodes ago, oh my God, Chris Crawford, Chris was, Crawford on, was on. And, yeah. and Chris Crawford did a really good job. Great job. I love when he talked about some of his Atari stuff, some of his old gaming stuff, except right at the end, Chris Crawford um, always, always makes people mad. By saying that he think he he said says something that makes I, I could tell is going to make everybody mad at the end, you know I wish he wouldn't say the things that he says I don't want to say exactly what it is but but um, Chris is is both enigmatic and inspirational and also you know a hero of mine. What about your video? You want me to share some of these with you so we can go through them a little bit or how do you want to do them? Um, I want to go through the content that we have. I'm trying to go through all the Atari systems that I can, but right now I'm really yeah go go for it. And this is really not a normal episode of the podcast. We, we really, you know, we had we had a whole bunch of stuff planned. You know, we we're gonna we we're gonna do a review of Circus Convoy, and I have some stories that I wanted to record and stuff. But it ain't happening anytime soon. So instead, we're we're just talking about it. We're just chatting about stuff, and I hope that's okay with you. Can you see my for, screen over here, Steve? For for both of the people that actually listen to this podcast. Yeah, for all two. So this, the first one, I'll go, I'll go in reverse order right now. The, um, this one is me playing. I, I, I put up a, a little review and play session of um, Space Duel by Bob DiCrescenzo for the Atari 7800. And this oh, cool. was a game from 2007, self-published, but also published by Atari Age, by Bob DiCrescenzo. It's available yeah. in the Atari Age store. It I, looks incredible. I rated this game, gave it a fun score of nine. The reason it has a nine is this game's really hard, but it should be a 10. Quality, 10 out of 10. Difficulty, hard. And I played it in the video on the Pro System emulator. And I just want to say that, like, he, you don't want, the one thing he doesn't have is the tethered ships. That's a lot of physics that you probably cannot do on the 7800 really easily without a bunch of stored, um, um, uh, cosine and sine tables for the. That's probably that's what you yes, pr- pr- which much could definitely. be done if you did it. But there's a lot of spinning involved. You spin two different ways. There, there's a lot of stuff in this game. But um, this was a, this is a really neat game. Um, I really like it. I finally at the end was able to get you just like get get further than a. Yeah, I think it's a twenty thousand or something. So it was not um, an e- it was not easy to. Uh, so that's seventy Atari seventy hundred Space Duel. Yes. Space Duel already was. Was a great game. And the next um, one that I want to cover, been trying to cover all the systems. So this one was the Atari 8-bit. This was a game called X8, which is X8 is a shooter, a horizontal shooter. Probably one of the it's one of the one in the top three or four that are available for the 8-bit platform. It was a an ABUC ABBUC winner in 2013. It's called X colon eight. Developed by Lauren Brown, L-A-L-Y-R-E-N, Brown, Steve Day, Jason Kelk, and Jose Pereira. Um, and this is probably my all-time favorite Gradius-style game um, on the 8-bits. You can get pick up extra weapons. Um, and th- what they did, they were always go- said they were going to add... There's multiple levels, but they always said they were going to add... Um, you'd be able to destroy the guns that are shooting you from the sides and some end of level like super super monster super bad guys but really the end of level just has extra stuff you shoot at and you move on they never finished it but as is it's still a fantastic game as is it's still it looks really really good yeah it's using um it uses like graphics seven on the top and bottom and or it's if it's using tiles and in the middle it's using a graphics eight 
um, or or zero screen with a um, and so it just it it has it combines the graphics modes in a really neat way to get you the probably the best stuff you could do on the eight bits. Yeah, the middle could have been graphics seven, so they could have used more colors if they wanted to. Um, but I kind of like what they've done. Um, it's a really good game. Um, really fun. fun. Something everybody what should play. What was the 7800? You showed me a one. It wasn't a video, but a 7800 game yesterday. Yeah, Paul Lay has one. <laughs> we'll talk about quit. that in a bit. I, I didn't. I didn't. I uh, have to find it. It's not even on Paul Lay's site. It was some. I'll have to look at our. I'll, I'll find it in a second. The other one I did was we did the latest one, and it's just something to talk about because it's already there. The incredible update by Jay Thomas to Jay Hampshire updated um, STE version of Lotus Esprit Turbo Challenge. Oh um, it God, doesn't quite amazing. have the music of the Amigo and they still have the chip tunes in there, but the game is so incredibly fast. It's um, the, It rivals another game for the ST. In fact, it's probably the best one now um, called Vroom, which had all of the speed. Um, they did it on an ST without any STE hardware. I don't know how they did it. It's just an incredible game, but this one just takes the STE and uses the blitter and the scrolling to make everything move pixel perfect. It moves like the Amiga version, maybe even better than the Amiga version in some cases, and because they had a lot of time to do it, right? They spent all their, you know, all their time. But it's a great, oh, yeah. great game. Um, and this video I put up this, um, and a lot of a lot of people hit this one all at once. Um, a lot of people put up fit version of this game. It's like videos of this game. It's just incredible. Um, that looks great. What I wanted to talk about was the other one that you mentioned. It's a it's a it's a demo by Paul Lay. Paul Lay is starting to. He's a guy who created a um, Atari Blast for the oh, yeah that's right um, for the Atari eight bits, which is probably the best game ever for the Atari eight bits. Um, oh well, best action game ever. He uses everything possible he can, and what he did is he's doing a game on the seven eight hundred right now. You you didn't you say I want to quit after my thing here, Steve? Yeah, I did. You showed uh, it to me. I know. I wanted to see because that's what I was looking for. Your I want to quit thing. Maybe it was after that. Okay, here it is. So seven eight hundred PlaySoft demo. He's using the Tia plus Pokey plus Kovox all at once and graphics. And it is it is better than it is probably better than any hardware added. Um, I can only see it from from someone's screen. They're watching it. Um, yeah. But it's 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 got it's better than anyone's hardware accelerated NES game. Plus all the music using all three different sound chips at once, sound versions, sound things at once. It is just amazing. It's an amazing horizontal scrolling blaster that he just a demo of his, right? Um, it's a little bit in the Uridium, but it's but it's Uridium on steroids as an eight bit game. Just every color you could imagine on the screen at once. Just no slowdown. It shows us the true power of the 7800 and what it could have done with yeah, all the I, different things. I looked at that and I'm like, damn, the 7800 is untapped. Yeah, um, there's a lot of untapped potential in the 7800. It is just an incredible game. So this was on a site called, we'll have to put these in the, and a site called, um, so um, this is on uh, a site that's just called RJ1307. It has 13 subscribers on, on um, YouTube. I think everyone should subscribe so that they can get more subscribers. But it's an incredible game, and I don't think it's Paul Lay's site, but it's it's just awesome. I don't know where they found this this demo. Um, the other one is that 8-bit Unity now, which is out there, um, is now becoming very very incredible. Like the it, you, you can make games for, um, I think it's all the games that based on the all the systems based on the 6502 computers. I think C64. It's, it's okay. So when I looked at it, it's not all of them because because you could. 
They could actually do the NES if they wanted to. It's the Lynx, the Commodore 64, the Apple II, and the and um, and the Atari 8-bit right now. I right now, right. And, and they're going to have other stuff too. But the point is, is like if you had Unity back in like 19, you know, 80. Six or something, and you were going to make a game. You could basically make a game and put it on all platforms. And a bunch of their demos show this, where where they've got the same game running on four or five different platforms. It's actually really cool. Yeah, including a Lynx version is the ultimate SDK for '80s computers. But 8-bit Unity also has a. Um, it's basically the new game he has is like a dungeon crawler. Um, it's a little bit like a, I would say, similar to similar to Gauntlet, but it's not. It's a little bit more to it. And it's just his demo, and this plays on all four systems pretty much identically. He does an incredible yep. job of of getting like you know multiplex sprites on the eight bit and the and on the C sixty four and the Apple IIe. I mean, there's um, it's just some it just looks great. So this is another great project that some people are building games with at the moment for all these computers. So. Um, that's the stuff I have right now, Steve. News and our video wise. Um, wait, you didn't you didn't show you 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 conveniently passed up my new game. Oh that well, was no, on I your, thought that's that what you on you, your, why don't you show that on your Twitter feed. So, Steve, tell me about your new game. So, so when you showed me the um, the horizontal scroller, <clears throat> I realized that like horizontal scrolling games are an arms race. They are and, arms race, you know. And, and, and people really want to play the, the best one. And the there's no one. way I'm, gonna, I'm going to be able to match the, the game that you showed. It's just not there. But um, I may, I'm, I'm not stopping doing it. I'm just, it just my enthusiasm kind of went away because I really, really liked the game that you showed me. So I, I dug up an, an, my first Atari 7800 project, which is called Iron Grip Destroyer of Worlds, which started out as a, um, as a flash game I was working on with a guy in Poland. And then we stopped like 10 years ago. Um, and I finally, I paid him for his graphics a couple of years ago that he made for it. Um, so I'd be free and clear to just use the name and just, just have fun with it. And so it's, it's like a strategy game. It's a puzzle strategy game, uh, fighting game for uh, the 700. I don't think there are many of those games exist. So I decided that since it's a space that no one has made anything, maybe I'll, I'll work on that instead. And also, doesn't um, it have I, like an Archon style action part of it too or i didn't i haven't decided yet so oh, okay. it has it has a puzzle piece that's kind of like pipe mania or rocket mania and then it has a strategy piece i haven't decided if the strategy how the strategy piece is going to play out if you're if you're going to let's um, say it's not pipe mania because pipe mania is a frustrating game this is not as frustrating as pipe mania. it's not like that the but it's, it's, it's going similar similar in style but, but the, i think the trick was translating that code which was written in highly object-oriented action script three with like you know lots of not multiple inherited but inher inherited classes and stuff and all that translating and it down to yeah <laughs> and lots of regression translating it down down to um to uh the 7800 which is basically a bunch of parallel arrays and and for loops to get in 700 basic to get the whole thing to work and i did get it to work um so it does it does work and it made me realize that the core of some of those ideas are are, are could be translated back to the 7800 so it's you kind of a demake to go with that because you you made some great great games for our flash games book that included the one where you did the dice battle 
And that was basically oh, yeah. Yahtzee dice battle. It's like the game I wanted to make. Well, you did it, right? And so there's like there's a dice battle game where you're so what's um what was the game on the Game Boy where you you played like um, three th- uh, match three, but you also at the same time it was like a it was like a oh a it's game. called oh, I made a game called Color Drop. No, it was Color Drop, and then I made Dice Battle. Yeah, yeah, right. Well, I'm talking about, but on the Game Boy there was a game where you played. A match three and then you also were doing like a monster fighting or adventure at the same time puzzle was quest there's a puzzle, puzzle quest, quest right exactly it was puzzle a quest. Like yeah, yeah 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 like that. i think yeah, it was, a, it was a basic version of puzzle quest but that exact you're... one right there with ari saying yes that we can use his graphics as long as we give him credit uh, he doesn't care about credit oh, dice battle that's all stuff and since i have almost so are we so in uh, i have all of ari's original graphics which are in 16 color already ready for the st but also I have the new ones that are in um, that are in PNGs, and they don't always overlap. So you can take either one can be made into a PNG and be translated to either system. You can also just recall. Yeah, I don't know why color. we never thought about making our book games into into well, ST and seventy hundred games. That's what I. That's why, what why, I started, why don't Why don't we? That's what I started to do. Because if I still want to make yeah, the shooting actually, game, that actually, I never what made. A, what a good idea! Jeff, I never made like the shooting cool. game. You there's you have the you have the the, the game that's like the. Uh, um, missile command that should be made. Yeah, oh, nice yeah. battle yeah. ones. Um, drive, she said. I really like, but I have to be able to put skidding into it somehow. Um, yeah, um, things like that. Those uh, flat cannon was the one that flat, flat cannon, cannon was basically right. a missile command, but you were you were, had ships and you were shooting kamikazes. I guess tanks, I don't but know no exactly. tanks, which is a game I made. Yeah. That is, anyway, and then eventually all those we demake all those into older platforms. That that would be actually kind of. Oh, kind we of have fun. the game. I know we. It's okay, the that's, that's that sounds like fun. We gotta so, we gotta kind of kind of have some projects because I I'm trying to keep my mind off. So yeah, we want to build some seventy eight hundred. What actually? Some seventy eight hundred. Um. Some uh. Some ST and possibly some eight bit Unity projects with all of these. Yeah, yeah. Target that'd be cool, but... all those platforms, including the eight bit, the eight bit, which I want to target, but it just seems like such a huge nightmare to target it. Um, except, except for so, what, maybe Turbo Basic XL or something like that. All I'm going to say is that I don't, I don't know when our our next real episode is going to be of the podcast. We've got a lot to do in the next month and a half or so. Maybe we'll check in with some Atari news or something soon, and then plan to have a real, you know, planned out podcast in. I don't know. Maybe it's going to be June. I don't know exactly. We may have one. I don't know yet. I think we'll have one before that. Yeah, I just don't. I just don't know yet. I just don't know yet. Um, it's it's going to, you know. I dove in since our sister uh, sort of became an enigma to us. You know, I started talking to some of her old friends and stuff and learning things. There's just just a lot to sort of take in and figure out now about trying to um, understand you know, what she did and who she actually was and things that we just didn't know because we were so young when they went on. So, um, and that's kind of a deep dive in a way that's, you know, might take me away from some of this Atari stuff for just a little while. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I mean, that's actually, if you talk about the years that she was at Enigma, they're perfectly fit into the vertical blank. And then it's when she stopped being at Enigma, she started playing computer games with us. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, that, that, that's, that's, that's actually, you make a really good point, Jeff. The, the whole top, whole vertical blank period that we talk about, you know, when Atari was a thing and, and, you know, and then it, and then it went away and we sort of wanted to come back and the 7800 is sort of the lost console not so like that. That's, that's the exact same time frame of, of, um, of, of when, when, uh, when we, our sister sort of 
disappeared and and then returned, um, you know, almost ten years later. And then and slowly trying to figure out again, unfortunately. What? And then slowly disappeared again, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah, unfortunately. So, I mean, maybe the, the two shall coincide at some point, but um, this is not this is not the subject matter that people listen to our podcast for, if they even listen to it. Thank you, whoever listens. <laughs> um, to this podcast, by the way, we really appreciate it. You know, we just kind of indulge ourselves on all sorts of Atari stuff, and sometimes we we do things that we know are are great, and sometimes we just kind of go off into like psychic mind reading and I don't know ghost stories because <laughs> lack of better term those those all existed at the same time period too. But I yeah, we'll, we, uh, we I think appreciate we'll have some episodes. Your patience. Out. Some well, I think we'll get a couple out before the okay. soon. I mean, we still have. You know, Tony Longworth had sent over just an incredible story about, you know, the, his the Atari 800 launch titles. And I wanted to wait to the Atari 800 launch title episode to do it. So um, I'm not going to. I mean, we can do that one. We can, we, can, uh, we, can, we can talk about the Atari 800 launch titles and then have the story. So let's, let's do that. It's just, I don't know how much time I'm going to have to edit or really think about this in the next few, few weeks. So. Yeah, we'll see. But, okay. but on that note, Tony did send us over a new song, and let's play that on the way out. Awesome. Awesome. Sounds great. Okay. All right. Until next time, Steve, into the vertical yeah. blank. Into the vertical blank. So, um, you know, if you stayed this long through the entire episode, thank you very much for sticking with us. This is not a normal episode. Uh, we'll be back with more game and uh, Atari really centered episodes coming up soon. Um, and we're going to leave you with another incredible tune by Tony Longworth. It's called Than Aurora. It's not exactly spelled exactly Than Aurora, but that's what I get out of it. T H A N A R O A. Very close to Than Aurora. Um, but anyway, it's an incredible tune. So until next All right. time. Into the vertical blank. Into the vertical blank.
already calculated. Prepare to write new data. V blank ending. An 8-Bit Rocket Studios production.